Hey, this is Chuck, and you are listening to Fans with Bands, the podcast where we talk to the fans and the bands they dig about life, music, and whatever the hell else we want to talk about. Today on Fans with Bands, we're talking to Wilson Thicket. Check it out. All right. Hey, this is Chuck with Fans with Bands, and I'm talking to Aaron, Jason, and Keith from Wilson Thicket. How are you guys doing? Oh, yeah, we're doing great. Appreciate the uh, invitation, man. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And we've got Garrett and Paul as a couple of fans. How are you guys doing? All right, great. Great, Chuck. Thanks for having us. Yeah, hell yeah. So uh, I know that I've I've seen Jason, I've seen Keith, I think years ago. Uh, my first introduction to you guys musically was uh, uh, Mark Lavagood's uh, Bluegrass Bonanza at the Chelsea Ale House. And you guys were jamming with him. And so I've been kind of following you guys for a little bit. And then, uh, Jason, you were in Thunderwood, uh, which I think is still a band going on. Um, and then I saw this thing called Wilson Thicket, and you guys had this song uh, that you recorded in this little tiny room, little video uh, for Three Stones. And I was yeah. like, I was blown away. I was like, even just talking about that song, the, the hairs on my arms go up. It, something about that song touches me so deeply. Um, it's sort of like a couple other favorite songs, like uh, Salisbury Hill by, um, you know, uh, Peter, Gabriel. Peter Gabriel and um, Can't Find My Way Home by Blind Faith. Those two mm-hmm. those tunes, this, this tune's the same way. It has that same impact. So thank you guys so much for being on here because I am a, a huge fan. So thanks. Awesome. The first thing I'm wondering is if you saw us at the Chelsea Ale House, there was a relatively well-known between us gig there with Lavin Good, where there was a, a wardrobe malfunction on Mark's <laughs> part. So part of me is curious as to whether you remember anything about that or maybe it wasn't the same night. I, I'm trying to remember. So like, what? what I, I don't remember the wardrobe malfunction because that was the very first time I met Mark and I found out why he was Huggy Bear. Cause oh, I, yeah. I didn't know the guy. I just came out and said, you know, wow, man, you really, you know, kicked ass and everything. Whoosh! Grabs a hold of me, hugs me. Like Jesus Christ, who is it? <laughs> well, I'm guessing. I'm guessing you probably remember Pedro Melton if if you had seen it. Well, the the uh, what impacted that malfunction even more was that there were at least, I believe, two or three uh, women in their late sixties to mid seventies, perhaps, that happened to be kind of front and center of the stage. They probably didn't hear much, which is why they were so close. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that they did get an eyeful. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome! So no, I did not see that because I would, I would, yeah, like you said, Aaron, I, I probably would have remembered something like that. <laughs> when when was that? Like, uh, oh, it, it would have been summer. I mean. Ooh, that's hard to, there were winter gaps and, and one summer gap where, um, like, yeah, I just remember it, 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 that's such a lot. It was like, that's probably pushing it's eight or close. nine years, eight or nine years ago. Yeah. Like I, I was looking back, um, cause I wrote a little thing in life in Michigan for it and it was 2015, like fall, I think of 2015. So. Wow. Yeah. 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 Crazy. So anyway, you know, super happy to have you guys on. Um, I, you know, uh, Keith, you were um, um, nice enough to get me the the new EP that which is coming out. 
Um, so you've got six, a six song EP that'll be uh, out shortly. Do we have a time frame for when that's supposed so to be? Basically, as soon as we can get it done, you know, we're, we are um, musicians in every way, including being a little uh, dragging our feet on, on some of the finer details of, of putting the, this last bit together. But we're making progress. We finally got those masters back. So now it's just a matter of ordering it and putting some artwork together and um it, it, it's all self-released so it's kind of just whenever it's done we can yeah. put it out there nice nice uh, so hopefully within like a month something cool. like that awesome and i think yeah, most, also... of the, most of the tunes that are on there are ones that you guys have been playing live for a while so that's true right yeah everything except um i think one of aaron's tunes called uh, luck beat the gambler i think that was pretty new for when we did the recording but since then it's it has become a regular um you know song in the, in our set so um at this point yeah they're 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 all uh in the rotation yes so i was curious um you know from those those six songs which which one is for each of you is like the um the one you get them you have the most fun playing live uh, let's start with uh, maybe Jason. I was gonna say, I mean, <clears throat> for me, ultimately, uh, "Honey Hangover" is just a—it's just a fun song to sing. Um, full throat, just going for it, and top of the range, kind of, and singing with Aaron, who's you know, um, I mean, I don't know where all that sound comes from in that skinny body. <laughs> uh, but to sing that song full bore, um, that, that's always a highlight for me anytime we get to play it. Awesome. That one is certainly, that's uh, that's certainly my favorite, like one of my favorites of ours or probably my favorite of ours to sing. Cause it's, we don't have real, like it's probably the only duet song we have. Right. Get to cut loose on that. And uh, there's, I, I absolutely love what, you know, a few of the songs that I wrote that and, and was able to bring to the band just absolutely love what these guys have done with uh, this a song called This December. Um, never would have imagined it becoming the arrangement that it is, you know, before before bringing it to Wilson Thicket and um, having that, you know, realizing the potential of that tune with this band. And it's really super fun for me. Awesome. Yeah, I, I think my choice is the same, the December song. Um, and I love playing all of them, but there's just something about the arrangement to that that's a little more more to it, more changes, more starting and stopping, a little more dramatic arc to it. It's just kind of more of a dramatic sounding song. So I, I don't know. It's just a little um, little more to chew on, a little more to, to put some extra feeling into it at times. Um, and it keeps you on your toes too. It's like a challenging piece to play. Nice. Uh, so yeah, for all those reasons, but, but I like them all. <laughs> so um, Aaron, when you, when you were talking about bringing that song to the band, I, that was a question that I had is, you know, from those six songs, um, you know, it, it does, they, they sound like they're a cohesive part of Wilson's Thicket, but I, I imagine that uh, each of you had like, a tune that you were bringing in or or one of you was a major songwriter and then the rest of the band kind of came in is that how that 
uh, you know, those songs evolved? Uh, well, or they just like, you know, you guys got together, jammed and said, oh, we're, we're doing Three Stones. Um, so, so Three Stones in the River um, this December and uh, Luck Beat the Gambler. Uh, those are songs that I had written um, and brought in. And then Jason, uh, there's, three of, there's three of mine and the three of Jason's tunes on there. Bartimaeus and Honey Hangover and, um, and um, in, my my, arms. in My Arms. That's it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, Jason and I have written, written the songs and then whatever the arrangements became when, when we brought them to, to the band, you know, Keith and Scott were big in like arranging parts for these things and stuff. But as far as writers go, you know, Jason and I, these are songs that we'd probably written before, before this band, uh, really started maybe this december was kind of written shortly after but the other two were you know at least for me were like older songs that i just played solo for a bit yeah. and um you know just was able to it, it's cool because starting you know as a bluegrass band or we'll say bluegrass adjacent because that's <laughs> that's really what we are we're not really a bluegrass band but you know we of course kind of compiled a list of some bluegrass standards to start picking on and um but it was nice to to be able to bring in like well hey this song's you know something like three stones in the river is not really a bluegrass song but in in the context with the instrumentation really really seemed to work out nicely um and so it was nice to you know have some originals existing and, and hopefully going forward you know we're going to continue to write and maybe write some together and uh, just haven't really had the opportunity quite yet to to do any of that. Yeah, so that's kind of where I find things interesting in that um, the three songs that we recorded of mine, um, you know, there's some co-writes in there with, with friends of mine, but those songs have been around for, you know, a good five to ten years in some cases. Yeah. And written so pointed for this kind of, dynamic in this kind of band but you know <clears throat> when you plug in certain players to already written parts those things have to change a little bit they evolve and dynamics between certain players evolve and um it's it's odd to me that these three songs while they've been recorded in live situations here and there uh, this will be the first time of them being released in in a more definitive kind of format and it seems like it had to be that way because the kind of connection in the, you know, the grouping of the voices that we all have individually, we've managed to find a couple of things that make sense to us and we're coming together and they're getting more and more defined every time we do it. And then the opposite of that with Aaron's tunes, um, to be able to have that focus of just getting in and like note for note almost trying to be sensitive and aware of, of what's happening. Whereas mine are kind of, at least these three are a little more general, what you might consider, you know, bluegrass. Um, but there's a big juxtaposition between those yeah. two things. Yeah. And um, it's exciting to kind of have all those different colors, those different avenues, I think. Yeah. Very cool. So <clears throat> that kind of gets to something I was uh, curious about. Um, the, the origin. So how did you guys get together? How did Wilson Thicket um, become a band? 
I, I guess I will claim most of the credit <laughs> for making that happen. Um, I mean, so so Aaron and Jason and I have been friends for years. Uh, we used to hang out all the time, have bonfires, play music, you know, just do the stuff you do with your friends. Um, and we had all, or they were definitely involved in other musical groups. I was kind of between musical groups at the time. And then the pandemic hit and a lot of things sort of like fell by the wayside. And it seemed like we all maybe had an opportunity that if we wanted to, we were already friends. We knew, we knew the hang was going to be good. Um, that if we maybe wanted to, to get us as a group going, that that would be the opportunity to do it. So like I said, I was kind of the one without a band. So they, they already had gigs. So it was really my best interest to like (laughs) something happen for myself because I knew it would, I knew it would be good. You know, I, I know these guys, I was fans of theirs before I was their bandmate. Um, and then Scott, uh, was a little bit outside of like that specific friend group, but, um, he had played on a pickup gig with me several years ago. That was kind of just one of these, you show up and nobody knows what you're going to play until you get there and you wing it. And I, I, it always stuck in my head that not only would he be able to like keep up with people winging it, but he was, he was, you know, contributing and being creative and could play in like all sorts of different feels and uh, just seemed like a good, um, well-rounded kind of musical voice. And I had always remembered that I had had that opinion of him. So I, none of us really knew Scott that well, but um, I always remembered that and called him up. And he was sort of the first person that we wanted to give a chance to. And he fell right into it and we all have a great time. So it, yeah, it's, it's just been that way cool. from, from the beginning. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, Scott is... Uh... Uh, his the other band that I know him from is uh, Child Sleep. Yeah, um, that which band, is completely yes. different. Yeah, it's completely yeah. different and awesome. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, so, and he he's he's still in several different projects, and you know he does a great job on all of them. And we're the only one that I think he even plays upright on. He's he's typically an electric bassist, and he does a great job at that too. Yeah. But um, you know, so yeah, we're happy to have him and. He he's maybe not a you know dyed in the wool bluegrass bass player, but he can he can play bluegrass very well and also brings in tons of other influences, which is kind of what we're going for, I guess. Cool, awesome. And so, who who is the uh, mastermind? Was it you, Keith, for the the name Wilson Thicket? <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> Aaron, do you what? Do you maybe want to that one going? So I. I had come up with, I was like racking my brain. I think we were all racking our brains for a name. And uh, I feel like we were kind of strong armed into coming up with a name because we had booked a gig. True. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, well, we got to have something that we call ourselves. So I, I, after like thinking and thinking and thinking about it, I came up with this like through the thicket for some reason. I was like, oh, that, that kind of sounds like we could be playing bluegrass. Um, we went with that for a couple of shows and then um keith saw and thought that it sounded too much like like when people were saying it that they'd have a list or something <laughs> like that's that's what i distinctly remember is it's, <laughs> it's like it's it's, it's too lispy <laughs> yeah. so 
wish after seeing it a few times fast, yes, I, I agree. Through the thicket, through the thicket, through the thicket. <laughs> so, Daffy uh, okay. Duck well, saying it or something. <laughs> what else do we got? What else? What else do we? Uh, what else do we call? It? So, and I don't, I, I don't remember. I don't know how you came up with that. Like, I think there might have been some other ideas, but I don't remember any of them. I just remember you saying Wilson well, going we, like. We, we liked, we liked the uh, concept of a thicket because it, it kind of, it's a, it's grassy, and we're, we play grassy music, but it's also kind of messy. Yeah. and tangled with other things um yeah. so so we kind of like that as a metaphor for what we do and i i don't know i'm a i'm a dad so i'm prone to dad jokes and wordplay and corny stuff so <laughs> somewhere along the line wilson thicket came up and everyone laughed and we we're <laughs> doing one of those things like wait but do you really like it yeah i mean i, I do if you do well i guess <laughs> I do. but wait we're really going to okay i guess and then I think we had a vote. I, I think we, I think I we think did we, some other choices, but we had a vote, and Wilson Thicket won. Awesome. Was it unanimous? I think it was unanimous. It, it probably was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Now, have you guys covered Will, uh, Wilson Pickett? Not yet. We no. were trying to figure out what the right song is. Oh man, because that that would be awesome. <laughs> we we may I, have to have a, a very I, strong um, medley, perhaps. Right. <laughs> Yeah. There you go. There you go. Well, uh, Fans with Bands isn't just about me asking questions. Uh, it's also an opportunity for fans. So, uh, Paul or Garrett, do you guys have any questions for Wilson Thicket? And if you don't, no worries. I can keep running. Bye, Garrett. Oh, boy. Um, I was going to ask more kind of theory questions, but I don't know if that's appropriate or not. Just kind of in general, like what's your favorite chord or what's your favorite key or what that kind of thing? Just throw those in or out there. Yeah. I I know I have one. Cool. I mean, I have a favorite chord. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's more a, a voicing, um, okay. the way yeah. to way to yeah, play yeah. chord. And I've used it in, in various ways. I'm giving yeah. a lot away here. Uh, <laughs> I've used it in various ways and probably three to four of, of, you know, my own tunes. Oh, well. um, I hide it well, but it's it's an E minor seven add nine. Add nine, okay, yeah. You know, I know it probably doesn't mean anything to anyone, but uh, an oh, E I'm minor sure seven add nine has five notes in it, and the way that you play it, it can open up a just a bunch of doors um, it, immediately when you hear it. It can just take you away to some place. Yeah, cool, awesome. Awesome. That's my favorite chord, anyway. <laughs> Love that. I think Ashley get... has a hand up. <laughs> I I don't know if I have a favorite chord. I I'm a big fan of like D major seven. Um, oh yeah. Especially like on a guitar, getting like the low F sharp and letting the open yeah. A and D ring out. It's yeah. Just, it's just really pretty, and there are certain songs that when you hit that, it's just like really satisfying. So. Yeah, I, I like. I, I, I don't oh. know if I really have a favorite chord, but that's the one that comes to mind. <laughs> yeah. I love the wraparound thumb F sharp. Also, it makes me think of the ACDC Highway to Hell with clamp. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> I, I I like the. Uh, I don't know about specific chord or voicings, but anytime I can get an interval of a minor second somewhere, which I think Jason 
you know, the E minor seven add nine. Yeah. You make that have that like minor second interval kind of rub. Oh yeah. Okay. If you ever listen to a guitarist named like David Rawlings, um, yeah. oh yeah. Listen to, to Rawlings, like there's so much of that like almost dissonance within a okay. chord. Minor second, the end of Bartimaeus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean that that there's 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 a reason why those chords just have cool. a lasting impression kind of thing. It's unsettling. Yeah. <laughs> we we want you to be unsettled. Yeah. <laughs> Garrett, do you have a a favorite uh, chord? You know, it's a little simpler, but it's always been B minor for some reason. I love like like the simple, you know, cowboy chord chord songs, you know, Bob Seger, whatever, Beatles, and then when it hits that B minor out of nowhere and it just turns melancholy, that just jerks my bone marrow, man. It just, you know, it, it <laughs> makes me cry. It makes me emotional. It's it just really does something to me. That's awesome. a great saying, by the way. Yeah. I've never heard that before. Jerks my bone marrow. <laughs> I've never said it. It's gonna go in the <laughs> repertoire. You know, you know, you're talking to a couple of songwriters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. EP number two, you're gonna hear that. Oh, well, that's getting that's that's getting written down right now. <laughs> you know how sometimes these things, man, they hit like a funny bone, and it's just you can't deny it, right? It changes you. It it's uh it changes your behavior. You react to it. Absolutely. So here, here in the answers to the favorite chord or voicing or key or whatever it does, I love hearing that. That's awesome. You know, it's, I think because of that very thing, it's why, um, I mean, December has, this December has elements of that, but three stones in the river. Okay. Um, part of, I think what's so alluring about that tune is also musically how it kind of wraps its way around the lyrics. Um, and there's some of those, types of chord and voicing things happening at certain moments and it's so stripped down that you kind of have no choice but to feel it yeah um, versus you know just banging away chords the whole time kind of thing i can't wait to go back and listen to some of the stuff because the three stones was my first impression of you guys just a couple days ago and i've mm. only listened to a couple since then so I, I assume all the ones you're talking about they're samples on your channel or site or whatever you have or is it there, something there, I don't know there are a few on uh, on the website i think there's links to four um youtube oh, okay cool videos yeah yeah can't wait to go back and hear that stuff now after the insights you guys are bringing today thank you yeah let us know what you think oh yeah i can already tell you i'm gonna love it <laughs> <laughs> Hope so. uh paul do you have any questions and uh, a pile of what has her has her hand raised? Yeah, Ashley, why don't you ask your question? You were you were more polite and put your hand up. <laughs> okay, uh, my only normal question of the night: Do you have any favorite venue you dig playing at as a band that you haven't already? Goal uh, for festivals, venues, stages, etc. And of course, why? What makes them special, dream worthy? Are hmm. these supposed to be like realistic or? Uh, um, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking, for the moon kind of stuff. Well, uh, I think it would be a favorite venue hadn't played, but I think it could. Uh, yeah. So she says, sure, either. So it could be realistic or dreamy. So I, I suppose the two that come to mind would be like the Ryman Auditorium or maybe like the Telluride Bluegrass Festival, something like that. Jason's oh, actually played there as part of a band contest. But, you know, just the obvious connection to the type of music that we play 
and what it means to the history um, for, for both of those, not to mention that they're beautiful spaces just on their own anyway. Mm. Uh, those are the ones that come to mind. Uh, you guys go ahead. I mean, I think it's like there's pockets of getting to that kind of place. So my favorite kinds of things are like the stepping away to that, um, something like bells, um, getting into a place that has a, you know, not too big, but a place where we're responsible for really bringing the energy and then working on that energy and kind of then taking it to the next level. I, I think back at that beer garden and, um, I envision a, a certain kind of excitement to it. Uh, we, that I'd love to get to that point. Um, and Grand Rapids sure. uh, founders, you know, thinking lowly, I was thinking home front. Yeah. A little bit, Jason. Oh, you still there? Am I still there? You're yeah. still there. Yeah, we got you. <laughs> Jason, I'm a Jason bit of a freezing up, but I, I think we heard what he said. Yeah, it's, yeah, it sounds like the Bell's eccentric. Yeah, my. Still clip it out. <laughs> yeah, internet, come on. But yeah, Belsley Center Beer Garden, that is actually a spot I think that gets overlooked sometimes. That and inside the cafe, you know, that stage they've got there. I've seen some great shots. I saw, um, oh shit, uh, Marcus King there. Um, mm -hmm. I saw uh, Chris Robinson. Uh, yeah. Play outside. Oh man, yeah. They sunk a lot of money into making that whole back half of the of the building a venue. I don't know if you remember how it was before that when they had all the bands on the other side. It was just you know, yeah, it was band in a corner basically. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But but now it's a super legit room. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. It's awesome. Uh, Aaron, how about you? Any uh, what's your dream or or practice? So we actually have a. a a venue I, I have always enjoyed playing individually and with other projects that Wilson Thicket has yet to play that we are going to play uh, on November 10th is a place called 20 Front Street. I'm sure that yeah. you guys have probably heard of that. Um, that's always been a favorite space of mine. It just sounds good in there. It's inspiring. It looks beautiful. Um, it's a good... I have a hard time wrapping my head around playing for thousands of people. So if there's 90 attentive people in front of me that are really enjoying it, then I'm, I'm happy for the moment. Um, <laughs> on the other side of that, on the other side of that coin, um, I mean, there's other spots too. Like I think some of the, you know, I'd love to get to some of the festivals, um, even in the state of Michigan that are, that are great music festivals that we haven't had the chance to get to yet. Um, and, on, but on the other side of the, you know, pipe dream kind of, kind of venue, you know, I just want to, just want to get to maybe one day grace the stage of the Ryman auditorium or something, you know, yeah. um, it would be sweet or, you know, Red Rocks amphitheater or something oh, ridiculous, yeah. super fun. So, you know, We'll just keep stepping toward that goal and, uh, you know, baby steps, see where we get to. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, I would love just to go to a show. I've been, 
Uh, I've not seen a show. I did a tour. We went to Nashville, did a tour of the Ryman, which was awesome. Um, got to yeah. you know, get your picture taken on stage, you know, but which was fun. Um, yeah, cool. But I'd love to see a show there and Red Rocks. Love to go out there and, and check out a show too. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Paul, did you have a question? Well, I was hoping it looks like Jason had to jump off, but I was mine's more technical, of course. I wanted to, I wanted to uh, hear a little bit about when you're writing and you're bringing these things together as a band because you know there's a couple different songwriters and let's try this um, because of the vocal prowess of this group. Uh, like how how is writing the counterpoint and, and the harmonization like is it um, something that comes naturally or you're writing it down or you what's kind of the pathway to that? Well, I think uh, typically the lead vocal part is there, at least close to what it's going to be. Um, and with with in particular these songs, um, there's they like said there's really not a whole lot of like say duet parts or or you know anything where we're harmonizing for much of a period of time uh it's a it's a lot of background vocals where it's like keith and jason on a part like a like a doing a pad behind sometimes i, I feel and keith you can chime in on this too because i know you had a, a quite a bit of a part of coming up with some of these backups on like december or on uh luck beat the gambler um they're almost like these kind of parts that come in that are a counterpoint and they're not they're not along with the melody. They're not. Uh, they're not like say like oh I'm gonna sing a third above what Aaron's doing or I'm gonna sing a third you know below what Jason's doing and just lock into that melody and sing along with it. Um, they become. They become parts on their own of the arrangement. Um, almost as like a. Like another instrument. Instead of it's not always even words, it could be ooze. Um, yeah, Keith, why don't you say something about that? Like, I don't know, like the December bridge and like, like you and Jason were working that stuff out. Yeah, I mean, to me, and this actually goes whether whether you're talking about vocals or instrumental, I I kind of look at it backwards. I, I I try to hear the song. I try to hear in my head what like the finished product of it could be like, what's the potential of this in its best form. And then kind of just reverse engineer that. Like what, what am I hearing in my head as this like highest version of this song and how do we get there? And so like, if we're using December as an example, that bridge part is a very like, I don't know what you'd call it, like a little spookier, more majestic kind of sound. And so rather than having someone doing like bluegrass harmonies <laughs> along with with your singing, it seemed more appropriate to have like some some ooze that didn't really change with Aaron's vocals. They were just laid down this heavenly pad was sort of how I was, you know, almost like my background is what the bridge of of December sounds That's like. Perfect um, analogy. It's like the auditory version of Aurora Borealis. I think you've done a wonderful <laughs> job. At it. It, I, I actually really like that. I think that's almost exactly what I 
hear <laughs> what I see and hear uh, on yeah. that. So uh, for me, it's reverse engineering is like, think of what, it, if you were hearing the perfect band perform this song, what would they be doing? And can okay. we try to do that? Um, Jason, you missed the question, but he, he was asking about how we approach taking like a vocal part and how do we approach arranging it to fit the song? Um, and was there more to it than that, Paul? I, I forget. Uh, exactly. That's that's about it, right? Because again, tremendously talented. So it's what, like hearing hearing what you guys do is 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 impressive. And I just want to see if there is any uh, method to the method to it. Well, I'm sure okay. that Jason stuff to add to this vocal vocal business. Be <laughs> in the vocal. Be. I was yeah. I was going to say it's like well, I mean. You know, if I'm allowed to mention um, Annie and Rod Caps, uh, actually the singing I've done with Annie over the past 18 years um, has opened up this thought process of sing everything everywhere just to see what it sounds like. Um, and then there's a the call and response thing. You either do it together, all kinds of different notes, or do it opposite one another. And then the dynamics and all of the other stuff tends to follow once some rough parts start coming to mind. Um, but once you've got that, it seems like always looking for spots where there could be more harmony. Um, but it can take a while to, uh, you know, learn how to sing with some people. You kind of have to find where to carve out your places um, because just like people talk differently or play differently, the way they emphasize and squeeze words or stretch words out. It can sometimes take a while of doing that and feeling kind of stupid. <laughs> sometimes, you know, yeah. you, have, you have to really separate, you know, what you're, you're trying to do with um, just anything that it takes to get there and listening to it objectively, like constantly. Um, I don't know that 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 because then once you find stuff that works, it's so much more exciting than you could ever imagine. And even if it sounds simple, what no one realizes is how much work went into trying to make that yeah. sound simple. Um, yeah, that's a tricky, tricky thing. Was that would um, how, how easy or hard was that for you guys as a band? To to come to feel comfortable to be able to feel that you could do that type of exploration, but also making sure that you, your voices felt comfortable together. I, I think it's still a work in progress, honestly. Um, we're trying to find equal footing, um, sometimes in order to save time, uh, just because we're all busy. That just yeah. seems to be, that. that's what life does, right? But um, it's, by letting some things happen, it's, it's forcing some doors to get opened and it's exciting to think I'm excited at what, you know, what a, a couple of months might be and more time together. Um, I'm really excited at what that's going to start to develop. Aaron, Keith, any thoughts? I, I agree with Jason that it's, that it's certainly always going to be a work in progress. Um, I, but right now as opposed to six months or a year ago you know it's so much so much more than it was um it's the progression it's hard to see on a gig to gig basis like oh i think what's just getting better and better you know it's just like 
you know, after some time goes by, you realize, yeah, it takes some time to learn how to sing with people. Um, and when you're used to, you know, Jason mentioned singing with, you know, um, Annie and Rod and like still singing with them yeah. and like <clears throat> you sing with somebody so long and then like, oh, you start singing with somebody else too. And there it's completely different. You know, I had the same, I've been in other projects where I sang a lot of vocal harmonies and trying to find that sweet spot of what works with, with the voices that you are working with in the moment is it takes a bit of time and effort. Um, it just, it just does. It doesn't even, it doesn't matter like what level of singer you are. Um, you know, you just have to have to learn those nuances. Yeah. And, and I, I think we're doing that. I think we're doing that and it's, you know, become more and more fun to sing together as it begins to mesh better. Awesome. You know, Do you think it's hard? And that makes me think because it's insightful because I don't really, I don't sing really. I never sang in a band. Um, I've played in a band, but never really sang. And so I didn't really have that insight into, you know, those dynamics, especially when you've got harmonies or backing vocals, um, trading off, you know, lead vocals with others. Um, is it, is that, is the vocal challenge uh, more or less than the, the dynamics from a playing standpoint. So you're, you're also interplaying together, you know, bluegrass has that kind of like improvise, you know, improvising and then also playing together and playing off each other. Um, is that as difficult as the, you know, the vocal melding or in par or, or easier? I tend to think of it all the same, really. Um, I, people can get very specific about, you know, their ideas of what dynamics are. And, um, you know, we all love certain bands that will stay in the key of B and they just drive for seven songs, but then there's, you know, the Alison Krauses and the other, the three stones, there's the real dynamic whispery kind of moments. Um, I think they're both incredibly equal because it makes you listen to not it, not listening to yourself first. You have to listen to the person that you're playing with or singing with. You have to clearly hear what they're doing to even be able to do your part. And that's just hard either way, singing or, uh, or playing. I know some folks probably have more of an advantage at, at like Keith. There's not much Keith can't play musically. I mean, it, however, he's uh, approached the banjo and, and all of his other instruments. Um, he's going to figure out three different ways to do it and, and probably a lot quicker than he may, might be able to, to sing it. Um, and again, it's just certain strengths and, and things that are untapped at this point, but it's all, the dynamics are tricky. I mean, you got to really listen to everyone else first. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine. Crazy. Uh, let's see. Uh, Garrett had a question in chat that says, uh, do you guys, consider playing private parties and he's looking at well i don't know if you want to get into pricing um duration and set list scenarios so i'm going to guess that the answer is yes but i don't, I don't want to speak for you <laughs> yeah i mean we I, I think i can speak for all of us that we consider just about anything as long as it makes sense from either a financial or some other reason for us to do it i, I you know 
I don't think we have any hard boundaries of types of gigs that we're not going to do. Um, as far as pricing, I mean, yeah, probably not appropriate to discuss here, but you know, we're, we're, we're adults. We consider ourselves professional. So, uh, it'll, it'll be priced accordingly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, beyond that. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't hurt to hit us up. Cool. Awesome. No, no metal gigs. Not going to jump on a metal festival or something. (laughs) Just saying it's untapped market. Yeah. Well, if they want to hire us, we, we might give it a go. I totally think that that kind of interplay, Paul knows that I'm a huge metalhead. Um, I think that interplay would be perfect in some scenarios because it's like you get, because I actually, bluegrass to me, um, especially when when you guys were ripping, you know, some really like mountain music where it's fast, you know, that's, that's heavy metal. That's country heavy metal to me. It's like fast, tactical. I mean, you could be listening to, I mean, it's not Slayer, it's not Thrash, but there's I think, what made I think up all those Thrash grass, right? So there you go. So Thrash yeah. grass. <laughs> I, there are moments when I hear banjo and mandolin together or guitar and mandolin, whatever it is, two instruments together. And I immediately think of Iron Maiden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't help it. Like my first concert was uh, Somewhere in Time tour. Oh, know, awesome. Maiden in the eighties. Right. I will always think of that two guitar thing. And I always have a a thing about that with bluegrass. It just, that's kind of where my ear goes. I'm familiar with both very much, but I love the energy of Maiden inserted into the instrumentation of bluegrass. Yeah. <laughs> but what a beautiful sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Run to the hills. <laughs> Yes. Awesome. <laughs> so, so Jason, that's a great question. Uh, uh, you said your first concert, what was the very first album you ever bought? I remember distinctly the first record I bought was because, well, at first, because I got really pissed off that my cousin got it <laughs> first. Um, and I had to go out and buy one myself and it was literally just from seeing the cover. It was uh, kiss alive too. Oh, awesome. awesome. <laughs> I I got, I was mesmerized by that back cover. Um, I had to have it. So that was the first record I bought. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Keith, how about you? Um, My first record was the La Bamba soundtrack, um, mostly by Los Lobos. And it's because that movie is basically why I play music. I saw the commercials for it on TV and I saw Lou Diamond Phillips, like in a rock star and some, you know how it is just something about like how your brain was on that day, seeing that thing was just like, Whoa, that looks like the coolest movie I've ever heard about. And, uh, I, I made my mom, I wasn't old enough to watch the movie. It was like PG 13 or something. So I made my mom sit and watch it and record me off of the TV, like a cassette tape of all the music. But then finally I, I got like the real factory, you know, cassette tape, the real one. Awesome. So yeah, I, I definitely remember that one. Excellent, excellent. Aaron, how about you? Uh, I, if I'm remembering correctly, like way back, back in the archives, um, <laughs> I was in the grocery line with my grandpa, and I, you know, they have like they had like cassette tapes and CDs and stuff. It was probably 
mid nineties, I guess. Um, I think it was Nirvana unplugged in New York. The oh, N94. Wow. Yeah. I, I had been like listening to a lot of that music. Just a, a friend of mine, you know, who was more my age, had older brothers listening to grunge and, um, I really liked it, and I don't um, I don't know if I understood the music quite yet, but I just was drawn to it for some reason, and uh, and yeah, I think that was my first, and I believe that was a cassette tape as well. Cool, awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, Garrett, how about you? What was your first album? Well, it would have been something from the late seventies, uh, and I don't know if it would have been mine or my parents. But as far as music that I started listening to that they didn't, that would have you know probably been maybe the second or third or fourth album. It would have probably been like it was like a Joe Walsh, is uh, it the Confessor, nice. or maybe a Rat. All right. Well, my first concert was Billy Squire, so we'll just go there. Rat opened oh. up for Billy Squire. So. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> nice. Nice. Rat. Back in the day, they were awesome. Warren D. Martini is a hell of a guitar player. Man. Uh, Paul, yeah. I can't remember what, what yours was. I know we've... I, I think it's Green Day Dookie. <laughs> that that or, that or uh, Dude Ranch by Blink-182. By Blink <laughs> yeah. One of those two. <laughs> oh man that's awesome <laughs> oh lord and so we already got jason's first concert uh curious about aaron and keith aaron what was your first concert still in here i want to know what her first record was Did oh she yeah, yeah, yeah. Is she still there yeah um, she hasn't typed in anything yet can you hear oh her? she oh here she goes i'm pretty sure it was the original kids <laughs> <laughs> amazing oh my god yeah that'll drive you to drinking right there yep <laughs> it worked there you go <laughs> yes uh all right so first concert uh aaron keith who wants to go first oh i've got a gem for this <laughs> i bet i can beat it <laughs> You sure? You ready? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure. Let's hear it. Oh, okay. Okay. I was going to say, um, Neil Diamond at the Palace. Oh, I, that's I just... awesome. That nice, nice oh. pun, by the way. Uh -huh. A gem. Yeah. Yeah. A gem. <laughs> yeah. That was good. See, I oh. thought, okay, I, I can't beat that. I thought you meant a gem, like sarcastically, like there was something really em embarrassing. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, no, mine, so, super cool. Yeah, go ahead, Keith. Mine, mine was Richard Marks. I'm a, I'm a, I'm an '80s kid, so I was into <laughs> pop. I was, I watched MTV. That's like how I, that's the music I've had. So my aunt, one year for like my tenth birthday or whatever, however old I was, yeah, took me to see Richard Marks. My, <laughs> my second was The Grateful Dead, though. I got to see Jerry. Whoa! Oh, awesome, awesome. So Richard Marks was he like? He was a one-hit wonder. Didn't he have like a mullet? He no, he was a multiple hit wonder. Uh, really? God, he, but he did. Have, he, he did have, have a mullet. Big, he did have big hair and like tight leather pants. What he? Uh, now you're putting me on the spot. Uh, <laughs> he, his power ballad was uh, like from the Robin Hood soundtrack. The no, that's Brian Adams. Never mind. Skip, skip <laughs> all this. Uh, but no, he had he had several hits. 
He did have several hits. I, my mom, I, I was forced to go see him and Paul Young together <laughs> somehow with my mom. I'll never forget that. But Richard had, you know, he was all over the radio for at least a good eight year period or so. And then he, yeah. was, he was actually like a really prominent songwriter even way after that. Um, I couldn't tell you what, you know, what songs, but I know that he was still in the game for a while. But. Yeah, I can remember him from the MTV days and what he looked like. I just can't remember any of his tunes. And was he around the time of, you know, the Rick Roll, Rick Rick Astley time? Was he in? Yeah. I think there must come some crossover Probably. there for sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. He was peaking like 92-ish for sure. And I for, for, every, for every reason, I remember him. Him and Satriani looked identical when Satch was on the cover of the uh, Flying in a Blue Dream era. When he still had his hair, <laughs> he had a full length. He looked just like Richard Marks. <laughs> awesome. Oh, he he was he was challenged follically. He certainly was. <laughs> oh Jesus, uh, that's good. Well, uh, guys, I want to thank you so much for being on Fans with Bands. Uh, I really appreciate you being on here. I can't wait for the album to come out. Uh, I know you got some shows coming up. Um, uh, anything like in lightish that you got planned out, like latish November, early December so far, or no? Oh, I don't know. Uh, it's it's tough to remember offhand, but I I guess a good like easy way to come check us out if you're in the area is we did start a weekly bluegrass brunch series in Ferndale, which it's not necessarily us every time, but it does happen every Sunday, and we're there probably probably half of those times so if anyone follows us on social media and everything and thank you thank you for having us and we we appreciate everything you do not only with the podcast but the the writing and the photography and uh just being a general supporter of of music it's awesome yeah for sure i i just have uh one last question for you guys um and that is pineapple or no pineapple on pizza keith pineapple any favorite topping combinations with pineapple oh i yeah i go with like the the pineapple and jalapeno and if i'm in the the mood for some like meaty goodness uh maybe like some bacon or ham nice Uh, but yeah pineapple jalapeno bacon something like that all right all right uh aaron well i probably wouldn't choose to order a pizza with pineapple on it but i'm sure not going to turn it down if it's there <laughs> what would be your go-to pizza if you're gonna order one? I'm I'm like a straight up pepperoni mushroom guy. Nice classic. Just, yeah. just my fave. Maybe adding some. I don't know if I need to add anything to that. It's just pepperoni mushroom. Just just my jam. <laughs> Jason, how about you? I uh, absolutely. I have been turned on to the ways of of adding the pineapple and uh, like buffalo chicken or oh. bacon, um, even jalapenos. I mean, typically I wouldn't, but I, I was kind of strong armed into it and realized I loved it. <laughs> awesome. So, so Not good. by me, I don't think. <laughs> no, Ro- Rochelle. Rochelle has her ways. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Garrett, how are you? I'm sorry, man. I can't. I can't ever do pineapple. I can't mix fruits with stuff. I'm funny about mixing fruit with anything. I don't even like pie. I'm weird. Oh. <laughs> I love fruit, but I can't put it on anything. Uh, I, I'm I'm in the same boat. 
I, I like fruit, but pineapple should not be with anything else. Just pineapple. So, uh, and Paul, I can't remember. Uh, oh yeah, fruit definitely. Pineapple. Yeah. I, I like mixing fruit with pies. <laughs> <laughs> Generally awesome. good stuff for me. Awesome. And, uh, a pile of what? What was your answer? She's typing, I think. Oh, yuck. <laughs> no. All right. Cool. So we've got Fair a enough. split house here. <laughs> awesome. well, now, now we know what to order over at Aaron's if we don't want Ashley to eat all our pizza. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, guys, thanks again for being on Fans with Bands. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Chuck. Thanks for uh, helping us spread the word, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate you, Chuck. Thank you so much. And I, I know Scott, I know Scott would thank you too. So <laughs> yes. thanks from Scott. Yeah. All right. Talk to you. All right. Thanks, Chuck. See ya. Thanks, guys. Have a good one, man. Many thanks to Aaron, Keith, Jason, Garrett, and Paul for joining me in this episode of Fans with Bands. It doesn't get any better than Wilson Thicket. These guys jam a hybrid version of bluegrass that speaks to my soul. They have a new six-song EP coming out, which should hopefully be available by the end of the year, if not sooner. Be sure to watch their website and socials for the updates. And check out Keith's podcast called Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast, where he talks to banjo players from around the world. It is awesome. See the show notes for all the details and links. Bands are nothing without you, the fans. Purchasing music and merchandise is critical to their survival. If you can help out your favorite bands, please do. If you're in Michigan, consider following the Playing in Detroit area tonight and SE for Southeast Michigan Music Facebook pages. They are fantastic places for bands and bands to support each other and share our combined love of music. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast service to get each and every episode of Fans with Bands. Spread the word by rating the show, telling your friends, telling your neighbors, telling your family, telling your priest, tell everyone, and leave a comment. We want to hear what you think. You can keep in touch by following us on social media. This is a Life in Michigan production. Until next time, be well and kick out the jam.